Remember that record that you bought me like two years ago? Well, I just remembered that it's sitting in the closet. So I called you up just to tell you I've been meaning to listen to that. I've been meaning to listen to that. Why don't you come over and talk about it? Hey everybody, welcome to I've Been Meaning to Listen to That, the podcast where we go through albums we've been meaning to listen to and use as a conduit to learn about each other and our guests. I'm Andrew Ambrose Lee. I'm Stanley Philippe. And uh, yeah, we got, a, we got a guest here who I have a little bit of a background with. Um, uh, let me take a trip down memory lane, as it were. Um, <laughs> yes. He's a comedian, actor, filmmaker, and musician on the rise. Please welcome John wow. Butts. What's Yay! up? Hey. I don't think I've ever had like an intro before. So that was that was a head trip. Hey, man, you all right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Once introduced you in like any context. I mean, like, like not hey, with, this like, is my everything. husband, John, or something, you know? Like, oh, no, of course. In, like, okay, okay, the normal okay. settings, but, like, just to hear a listicle of, like, what you're, like, setting out to do is kind of nuts for me. But uh, also, I really liked you. your, I, I, you know, um, I don't know if I've said this to you, but you, your song Signs, I listen to that over and over. Like, it's legit great. I, like, you got to hey. put out more stuff. I'm really, really excited about that. But we'll plug yeah. that at the end. For sure, for sure. Yeah. We'll um, get into it. <laughs> it's fantastic. But it legit is fantastic. Like, sometimes, like, we have guests or people I know who are artists. And, like, I listen to their things. And, like, this isn't very good. But I'm not going to say it to them. But so it's, like, always <laughs> great when I have someone I can, like, say to their face i like your things you know and yeah. stuff like that so it's awesome. we all ha- we all have to keep nice you know and like not hurt our friends feelings and such <laughs> let's talk about i guess also first let's talk about your uh music history let's talk a little bit about what music you loved as a kid what music do you like now it seems gotcha. like it seems a lot like it seems based on the conversations we had you love hip-hop mm-hmm. um but definitely i would love to hear a little more yeah, man, it goes it goes really, really far back for me, like like child rearing. You know, I got memories of riding in the car and like luckily I had a dad that listened to hip hop. And, you know, sometimes he'd be like, oh, I should be playing this. It's not the clean version, but uh, <laughs> I still got to hear a little bit of uh, Tupac in the car and like some Nate Dogg and all that stuff. So I remember being like in the back seat listening to like the 90s golden era and everything. And uh yeah, I I kind of took to it and you know even I have a cousin who's out in Atlanta who we were both born in 1990 so we kind of went through a lot of hip hop discovery together too like listening to all the Jay-Zs and like the Rockefeller like the Dynasty era listening to like all I want to say in real time like the Takeover Ether uh um beef and then you know, Kanye's emergence. Um, and then like everybody thereafter, I, I feel like if I would define myself, like, at, like I, as a listener, I try to stay pretty contemporary, but it's not like those things did not have those albums and those pivotal albums didn't have 
or hold like significant weight for me, especially like Illmatic specifically going back to like, I definitely have an entry point into that album. And I don't know if this is the time to get into that, but it, yeah, no, uh, the entry point for Illmatic specifically was um, going back to my dad. I was in high school. Obviously this album came out in 1994, but I was in high school. This was probably 2004, 2005. My dad picked up, I don't know if it was Double XL or The Source or something like that. And he was like, check this out, John. It was like, it's got the most top 10 best hip hop albums since from now until the 90s, 80s, the start inception. And I'm gonna try and I'm gonna try and buy those. So he ended up buying like a lot of those pivotal albums and Illmatic happened to be one of those. So I, the first time I listened to Illmatic was probably when I was about 14 or 15. Was this the first time like he heard of these albums too? Like, No. So my dad, he grew up collecting records. Um, I don't know specifically how much he listened to Nas in the 90s. I know he was a big Tribe uh, fan, like grew up listening to his, he had Midnight Marauders tape and the Low End Theory tape that I think I actually took from him. You know, anything current in the 90s, he did start to t- uh, taper off a little bit. Sorry, dad, if you listen to this, you definitely kind of lost the way, but. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, but, John's dad, you fell off, bro. <laughs> you fell off a little bit. A little bit of that old You're head washed. energy. <laughs> or whatever uh, they say. <laughs> nah, but uh, all seriousness, uh, yeah, no, it was um, all those 90s albums I remember listening to. Even um, 1998 was really when, like, I feel like my, like, hip-hop discovery was happening. Obviously with, like, MTV and BT, but um, I remember that was the year of, like, dark, I think DMX had Dark as Hell is Hot, if that wasn't. 98 or 97 and then um jay-z's the hard knock life volume two outcasts equiminide um both 1998 albums where i remember being a kid and having a walkman and being like these are my cds like i am listening to these and my dad like he i remember he brought me um he brought me equimini the clean version. I was like, well, I guess I can listen to rap now. So I was like, let's go get volume two. I was listening to that with my cousin over Christmas. Um, so I want that now. Um, but yeah, that's kind of like my introduction kind of where I got into hip hop and has really been a mainstay for me, despite all sorts of my like genre appreciation. Cause I do love all types of music, but um, hip hop has been a through line for me from the beginning, essentially. Yeah, it's so cool to like interview people who kind of live through the musical era that um, we're talking about. Because like I'm listening to it, I'm <laughs> you know uh, 19 years old or whatever. But like <laughs> uh, <laughs> as a you know as a relatively young person, like um, this came out before I was born, like one year before I was born. So and um, and then I got into music like late high school. So all that, like everything, like we talked about this in the Nirvana episode, like everything prior to that seems like fiction. It it feels like reading a book about (laughs) like once upon a time, there was a guy named Nas. He lived in Queenbridge and stuff like that. But this is like real and stuff. So it's like cool to like not only like it's it's really cool to like interview people who like uh, know things. (laughs) But I also feel that, um, Andrew, in relation to like what came before Nas, because I didn't really 
And I'm sorry to all the hip hop heads listening out there, but I didn't listen to like you know, Eric B and Rakim. And, you know, I heard Slick Rick versus because of the 90s, people paying homage and like giving him a platform. But I didn't like listen. I still to this day haven't really listened to a Slick Rick album or Big Daddy Kane. So those, there's always the people that come before where you might be a little murky in detail. So I totally get that. And uh, I'll file that for later. Let me go get back in the archives. Hey, Stanley, can we uh, can we talk for a second? Like, this guy's a fraud. This guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's like, get him idiot. out of here. Yeah, cut, cut, cut the record right now. Let's, let's eat. Let's eat their John for his hip hop proudness. What are your preconceived notions on Nas, though? Like, what is your history of Nas? Uh, so you said you listened to this album. Um, but like, what was your relationship to him? How do you think of him? All of that stuff. I feel like I've all it's it's not that serious. It's not that serious. I'm a preface with that. It's not that serious. But I feel like everybody had to kind of take a side with takeover, ether beef, and I was definitely in the Jay-Z camp, you know. So I think when I think about Nas, it's like he's <laughs> not the other, but everyone has their goat. Like who do you put at number one or you know, after uh, Biggie and Tupac, who comes next? Is it Nas or is it Jay-Z? And I feel like I've always been the the Jay-Z person. I've listened to more Jay-Z, you know, like in terms of album to album. I feel like I know those a little bit more intimately, but that doesn't mean that I wasn't listening to Stillmatic or, you know, buying Hip Hop is Dead. You know, some of those albums, even like the... um more recent cuts um magic and his hit boy project Big yeah Jesus. um yeah still dabble so i i think it he's an he's undeniable though especially um when you think about how much he's accomplished how long he's stayed in the game his the debut i mean he's He's up there. Like when you think about the totem pole of hip hop and who's at the bottom, he's up there. I don't know. Maybe I would have to reevaluate my my uh list. Uh but yeah, no, he's he's fantastic. And I I'm particularly drawn to him too because of kind of I feel like where you can criticize Jay-Z, he gets a little bit into that like braggadocious, like highfalutin kind of a little bit of capitalistic money is the answer where I feel like Nas has always really kept the storytelling forward. And um, I think that resonates a little bit more with me in this current age and stage of my life. So yeah, yeah, that's how I feel about Nas. He's fantastic. All right, we got a review. Nas is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) Click. Breaking news. (laughs) I can't believe we're the first ones to ever point that out. Uh, What about you, Stanley? What's your Nas history uh, and your history of uh, Illmatic? Yeah, John. I think what John just said is really the, the whole point, which is, like, like who's the greatest MC, Biggie, Jizzy, or Nas, right? That was always the conversation in, in at least in East Coast hip hop in that mid 90s to mid 2000s. And, and then when Ether, when the Ether takeover beef happened, and Jay, I remember Jay on Faith the Black was like, uh, who's the greatest MCs, Biggie, MC, Biggie, Jay Z? And then the crowd said Nas, and Jay goes, nah. 
And then you're like, oh shit, like what's gonna happen? But but this is the album, right? This is the album that cemented Nas as like one of always gonna be in the top 50 of all time. And it's just like, like, how do you rank them? It just kind of depends on your history, your preference. And and like for me, John, I'm like you, like I'm I'm Jay, like I'm team Jay. And similar to you, like there was an influence in my life, my older brother when when Jay-Z first dropped, and I, I'll get the Nas, but it's just it, they're always linked for me. When Jay dropped uh, Reasonable Doubt, my older brother was like, this is the guy, like forever will be the guy. And so following in his footsteps, I listened to Jay a lot more. And Elmatic, to be honest, like I, I listened to it and it's like, all right, whatever. Mm. And then everything else after that, like between Illmatic and Stillmatic, I think I ignored Nas as much as possible. <laughs> uh, and then Stillmatic dropped and you're like, okay, like that Got Yourself a Gun is a pretty good track. Mm. Uh, one one mic is like pretty sick. Cold. And so, so then you got reminded, and I always looked at Nas as more of a poet than a rapper. Like I felt like with with Jay, like Jay would hear a beat and put raps together in real time, and you're like, holy shit. Whereas Nas books book of rhymes, I feel like that's what Nas is. He's this street poet that really mm-hmm. tells you, like you said, John. He he's he's reporting live from Queens, and he's telling you what's happening in the streets. And then he gets like a premiere beat or a Pete Rock beat and and then spits to that. And I think that because of that that um perspective, it's hard to really digest Nas as a as a rapper, as an a hip hop artist, because with rap, the braggadocious part is part of it, right? The competition is part of it. And Ether, I mean Ether cemented him as like one of the best to do that part too, but but he his projects were so up and down and not commercial enough for someone like me to really want to dig into it when I was younger. Whereas now, like now I kind of feel like we need to reopen the debate about who are the greatest MCs because, because of what Nas has done with hip boy with no magic and King disease and Jay has stopped. Like Jay has gone on to be Jay-Z, no Beyonce's husband, a, a role. He almost, he almost forfeited like an idiot. But luckily, he salvaged that. Um, era. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, he's just not doing that. Whereas Nas, in this age... So if you think about Nas as a 19-year-old and Nas as a 50-year-old, and and he's still making music that is relevant, that is incredible. So it's so he's not one of my favorite of all time, but he is one of the greatest of all time. Yeah, that's why I look at Nas. It's like, you know, that old debate is just like favorite and best. Like, I think, you know, I, I don't know Nas enough, but it seems like he everyone can agree he's at least in the top 10 best, you know, to do it. But like, like favorite is a whole different thing. I also, oh, sorry, Andrew, but I also want to, I think the chrono, oh, geez, the order of operations of all this matters a lot, too, because Illmatic came out in 1994 and Jay-Z, Reasonable Doubt, was 96. So mm-hmm. there's, obviously, there's, like, the creation period. Um, so who knows at what point Jay was writing Reasonable Doubt. But there was so much context for where to, like, push at that point. And to me, when you think about an Eric B and you think about uh, Big Daddy Kane, the sort of ability to heighten the form like that's I I feel like you can attribute that, that all to Nas almost maybe maybe that's like a a stretch but still it's the way he is flowing over this album I'm just like oh 
my mm-hmm. God, this is 1994. I feel like if you think about the modern perspective, you got guys like J. Cole, who to me, if you look at them side by side, like I don't even know if Cole is getting to Illmatic caliber. And I'm sorry to yeah, yeah. any kind of J. Cole fan listeners out there, but I feel like that's the benchmark. And he like J. Cole can like punch at the ceiling, but he's not quite cracking the ceiling because Illmatic exists and that's the template. You know what I mean? Um, just an observation. Yeah, right? and and that and that context really, really matters because in hip hop, again, hip hop is a competitive sport, and it's also uh, I was watching the Ryder Cup, which is like a, a golf tournament where it's USA versus Europe. And in hip hop, like there was the territory regions mattered, right? And hip hop was born in the East Coast, was born in New York. But then the West Coast in the early 90s dominated hip hop, right? I mean, you got like, you know, the NWA, you know, mm-hmm. Dre doing his thing, Snoop is now yeah. blasting off. And, yes, right. Like that, like right all of that. <laughs> yeah, right. And it's like, and it's all like fun shit too. Like you wanted to like party to the West Coast sound. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, like things were really bad in New York. And and Nas was the guy who snatched the crown back. He's the guy who was like, you know what? I'm gonna cause this football turnover. I'm gonna intercept the Dre pass to Snoop and then running into the end zone and tell everyone, hey guys, we're still in this game. And then after that, you got Biggie. Mm-hmm. And then you got Jay-Z. So that whole like Biggie, Jay-Z or Nas, it's Nas Illmatic that told the world the East Coast is back. And then you got Biggie, who, I mean, is Biggie. And then you got Jay Reasonable Doubt, who later on became the guy. Right. But it all started with this album. Like Illmatic brought the East Coast back. Um, so so I think that context is also very important. I was going to say this for my final thoughts, but you could call this album The Blueprints. Like you can call Ooh. this. Oh, <laughs> like, don't, eat, don't eat through the bars. <laughs> bars. <laughs> like, but like, I read a, someone. I read someone write that if hip hop, they erased all the albums except this one. You could rebuild all of it from this album. You kind of, you could kind of do that. Like the internal rhymes that Jay Z is famous for. It starts like it, I. You see it here, and like, um, it's 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 so wonderful. So. Um, but yeah, let's uh I my preconceived notions. Um I so I knew Nas as one of the legendary rap archetypes. I knew of Illmatic as this classic, I knew him as a storyteller, I knew him as a writer and as a poet, like the the archetype of the the hip hop artist who's just like in the back of the bus, like writing little in his notebook, writing all the rhymes down. Um I knew of the Jay-Z and Nas beef, like I knew I listened to all those songs. Um, I do think I like Ether better than this, but like I, I like Ether better than Takeover personally. But like I think, um, the Super Ugly is not very good, <laughs> also either. Um, <laughs> like fair. I and so like um, but even in like Takeover, Jay Z's like, all right, if we divide up all your albums, uh, you know this one's bad, this one's bad. Okay, Illmatic's pretty good. <laughs> even he admits <laughs> like in the song where he's dissing him. <laughs> Like, I think that's so funny. And um, yeah, it's but like even but Jay-Z, what Jay-Z has over Nas is like Jay-Z has that voice that's so iconic. Like Pete Rosenberg, uh, when he was there's like a documentary about this album. And then Pete Rosenberg's like, when you look at Nas, you can't really identify his thing. quite. But that's what makes him great is like, but like 
Nas doesn't have that voice. Like Nas doesn't have that immediately recognizable voice. Nas doesn't have like Nas is charismatic, but not as charismatic as like immediately. So it's like kind of an interesting, like just like the baseline archetype of hip hop artist, like rapper guy. Mm-hmm. For sure. You're kind of like searching for who Nas is a little bit. Like what do you not not like within the words, but like how do you fit in in the pantheon of all these people just like as a like a figure? Yeah, because because Nas is a boring person. Like, no, and not not to be disrespectful to Nas. I'm not <laughs> disrespecting Nas, but but like I mean, like like Jay's was charismatic, Biggie charismatic, Tupac charismatic. Like you go down a list of you know the people that we tend to get excited about. Nas is not charismatic, at least not not um not the way that that sells. Yeah. So mm. so it's really just like Nas's pen that that we can rely on and and so it, that's why it's hard to for people I think outside of of rap to really gravitate organically towards Nas because it's it's just, it's not like sexy enough. It's not loud enough. It's not um funny enough. It's just it's just really great at what it is. Right. Andrew, do you feel like that like that alone was like a little bit of a barrier to entry or like why it took you a while to get to him, like more well, like pizzazz with other artists. Yeah, I, I think part of it was well. First of all, I just never got around to it. Is like really the answer. But second, <laughs> but like, but second of like, I needed a podcast and do I needed to do four years of a podcast to like finally get around to this. <laughs> like, yeah, but like, um, but beyond that, it's like it feels like hip hop and comedy are like very similar in mm. the way the art form like they're ver- they're very competitive very masculine art forms uh, a lot of like traveling around and everyone kind of knows everybody a little bit um like regional like very regional and stuff like that and like um it's like all about the pen is about your char- charisma and like the jokes you write and like there's a lot of jokes in rap and hip-hop and stuff um so like when you talk about like this felt like monty python and the holy grail this felt like the thing your dad is like this is the funniest thing you've ever seen and then like i'm like well I, you know i like bo burnham or whatever <laughs> you know it's like oh like we <laughs> yeah. got kendrick we got like kanye we got all these people who like hip-hop is like hip-hop 50 like hip-hop is so advanced now and like it's only it's at, at such a young art form that True. um that this i was one worried about like not worried I, I i guess like my preconceived notion was that this was going to be undeniable of course but mm. i was like you know the dated quality of it and stuff like Uh-oh. that like the parts of like comedy and rap that like sometimes can be dated like you watch like um uh the ace ventura and like mm. like oh uh, jim carrey's being silly and like there's a horrible transphobic joke at the end of it like it's like it's like one of those things that like and it's not, you know, whatever. We'll talk about that later. So, For like, sure. that's really it. Another, other than that, I love Nazir. I think that's a great album. Like, that's the one, only one I really listened to, like, back in 2018. And, like, Cop Shot the Kid is, like, one of the most potent Black Lives Matter songs I've ever heard. It's, like, pretty roundly ignored. Um, but it's, like, it's really- interesting. I feel like the album got panned a little bit. Do you feel like it, the production is what keeps you listening? Or you feel like like the content of what Nas is rapping about is what keeps you listening to Nasir. It, it was certainly the, it was the production Got that like, kept me listening. And like, and like, 
I, but like what he was saying on Cop Shot the Kid is like really powerful. And like I listened to it yesterday. I was like, oh, it's still pretty great. Um, but like um, he didn't really stand out like in that, in that, that. And he was also like the fourth Kanye project he did in five, like out of five and stuff like that. He was like right. probably tired of making music. So it was, like, <laughs> it was like, I think that was it too. So um, any, anything else, anything like any, I guess like, responses to all that stuff i said all that bullshit can i just say one one thing like i think what you just said there is what makes nas nas like nas and why king disease works really well because nas i think again going back to the poetry conversation he's he's an intimate rapper Mm. like this this album what what makes it you know so great is that there's an intimacy too to this 19 well this 18 to 20 year old kid that's telling the story of being in queens and and seeing everything that's happening and losing his best friend and being like oh fuck like this isn't a joke you know there's a real intimacy whereas um and on his other projects i think where he got lost is he stopped being intimate and he was out there he was actually out in these public spaces and it's kind of like in um uh oh what's the the, the movie uh jay-z has a album to it uh, uh state man. property or george lucas not george lucas um the drug dealer Lucas Star Wars. No, um, Indiana Jones. Uh, American God. Gangster. American <laughs> Gangster. It's like an American Gangster when American Graffiti. When oh. when Lucas, <laughs> when George Lucas from Star Wars puts on <laughs> puts on that jacket and he's just like, oh fuck, I know I shouldn't be at this boxing match with this massive jacket on because I'm going to be seen. It's like Nas when he was like doing his like shorty, say what's your price, like that era Nas. He put on the jacket and was being seen too much. And all of a sudden people were like, uh, this ain't you. But King Disease, when he got to sit down with Hit Boy and just be in an intimate space, that's where. And I think the Nazir thing was it was Kanye made five albums, all really well produced. But it wasn't like he had an intimate moment with Nas to work on Nas. Yeah, right. yeah, you know, yeah, it was like it was like here are these amazing beats that I love that I know you will do really well on, and he did, but it wasn't intimate enough to be felt right. by the Nas heads. Boy, we needed that, and the lyricism was very broad too, like very like just like um, mm-hmm. not. I didn't really get a sense of who he was from that mm-hmm. either. So yeah, yeah, that's real. I'm glad we could be real. It's, by the way, it's time to be real. It's like, time to real. Do that. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, I thought for it. I was like, no, you're right. It's, it is time to be real. Let's have a real conversation. <laughs> um, but like, I, I held my phone in front of my the camera. Okay, so um, let's talk about themes of this record. So Illmatic, Totemic album. It's in the Library of Congress. Uh, it's super, super well-renowned. Uh, what are the themes of this record? Oh man, I mean, just like unfiltered street life, like from from my perspective, whether it's like the life that some folks are living when their circumstances are so strapped or, you know, whether that be on the violent end or like how you interact with the criminal justice system or just kind of like kicking it and like the kind of stuff you get into when you're in that environment, but you also need an escape, you know, like, um, yeah, those are like the things that reverberate the most for me. And like, just kind of also, I mean, you think about life's a bitch and how like existential and like dark this shit is. And it's, it's so you can, 
laud it from the production standpoint and like the ability to translate it. But when you get down to the raw material of what Nas is talking about, it's just like, oh my God, like that this is really, really tough. I'm glad that this lens is here, but like, what do we do? You know, I think that's where it always falls back for me um, is, you know, just like these themes and how do you kind of stop the cycle, so to speak, or um, I don't know, that's a little bit bigger than me, but that's where when, when the themes kind of are highlighted, that's like my takeaway or my question. Yeah, that, that is, that is the question, right? It's, it's like, um, a theme for me would be, you know, Ronald Reagan's policies worked like, like he succeeded in destroying these, these neighborhoods by flooding these, these spaces with, you know, a narcotics and then over policing it. And now you're seeing, you know, the ramifications of the, of the war on drugs, right? It's like that war that was created by Ronald Reagan is now causing these neighborhoods to, uh, in one way, self-destruct. And another way to breed people who have to put on the most like toxic masculine right. fronts possible because life's a bitch. But then you die, right? Like it's like there's no like reprise in this version of life. It's like it's just shit, 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 death. And then rinse, repeat. So it's like, what can you do to allow yourself to get a moment of reprisal from the everyday struggle? It's it's this. You put an album together where you can have moments of telling people, hey, like the support is still around while still also being that street reporter that's saying like, man, fuck, things are hard before before Twitter and Instagram. Like, you know, the the, the poets like Nas are telling people like, hey, we're, we're coming to you live from Queens. We're live streaming and our reels are not being shared by millions of right. people. But also like despite it all, like we're still here and like making the most of it in the way that we can. And like, despite the lack, you know, um, that's also kind of, I guess, kind of like the beautiful part of it, you know, like when you're speaking of off of life's a bitch, I mean, I feel like, you know, Nas tried to bring that hopeful perspective in his verse on that song. And, you know, that's, that's the best way for you to kind of deal, right. Is like to paint a better circumstance, even if like magically, like in your thinking, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't want to burn all my good takes. Cause like, I, <laughs> like, like cause I'm like, cause by the end I'm like, Oh, I like, you know, it's just like, I like I, but like, he's like, um, pre the prototype Kendrick, um, also the prototype, uh, chance, the rapper. It's like two artists. I love it's like, um, where uh proto kendrick he's like mr morale he's he's bringing morale like the the you know um to this bad situation and then like uh chance like bringing that like positivity and that optimism but this is the optimism that we could afford at this moment this is the vulnerability optimism we could afford at this moment like to uh like 20 years later chance can go i know you're scared we should ask us if we're scared too mm -hmm. but here you have to be a cowboy if you express any form of sensitivity any form of vulnerability they'll get you like right. they, you'll you might get killed like you have to be like this you know like the stone was talking about this very toxic masculine version of that uh that yeah and, and then so yeah and then uh, to Stanley's point about being the reporter, he's like also like a uh, a documentarian. He's like showing you 
Like mm-hmm. the he's a figure with the need and the ability to capture Queensbridge because you know anyone could point like a camera at a place. It's another thing to edit it to make a interesting story to like exp- to fully show the beauty, the violence, the attitude of a location. And um, because otherwise it would have been forgotten and the design of white supremacy would have won. Like the Ronald Reagan uh, Ford would have won out. Like people like maybe like Nas can get out, but like the people like Ill Will or his friends who are in jail will be forgotten. And he, with this album, with his pen, he makes sure they're not forgotten. And now it's in the Library of Congress. Now, anytime anyone talks about hip hop, this album comes up. And anytime anyone listens to this album, they could look up Ill Will and go, oh, wow, interesting. And then, yeah, that's it's it's great. So, yeah. I think they um, also enshrined Ill Will by naming the record label after him. Yeah. So that's really cool. Actually, um, just a little kind of tangential sidebar i lived right down the street from queensbridge housing um when i was in new york city and that alone was just like a head trip just like seeing the place where nas like that inspired all of this and um also kind of seeing how much the circumstances around that area have not really changed very much i mean i can't speak to the actual crime levels and crime disparities, but like, it still looks like an area where, you know, it's, you're down on hard times. And um, yeah, it's, uh, it's cool that he was able to report out, but I feel like, which is another one of my kind of like issues is like the reporting out doesn't always like fall on the ears that it needs to, you know, to kind of like turn things around. But uh, but, uh, at least it is enshrined so we can know that this was a real experience for a whole population of people. Yeah, there's there's such a responsibility with hip hop. It's such a wild jar because I don't think like, you know, people love certain artists and they're so connected to the specific art that that artist makes. But with hip hop, it's like there's such a particularly the the beginning of of hip hop. There's such a real there's a purpose to it. Like it was there's a purpose because they allowed a community to find celebration. You know, like if you listen to like old school hip hop, like Andrew on the um it was on the Chance or the Jay Z episode. One of the episodes that we did, we were talking about like you know the structure. Like I went to the mall and did this thing, and I went to the thing and bought a ring. Like because it was such a like almost like a fun. It was fun. Like it was really fun because it was it started off as a party, like a, yes. just like a in, yeah in a building. Yeah, yes, it was just part. It was that the party that allowed people to again to release, and then and then it allowed more and more folks from various communities to then use that culture. To say, hey, like there, there are layers to this, and there are levels to this, and and John, what you said made me think about this term. I think I'm making up, which is experiential ownership, like owning one's experience, and then almost like pridefully saying, like I grew up in Queensbridge, exactly. Which in in some ways, like there, I shouldn't say this, but there shouldn't be like pride in it, you know, because there's this like superficial or surface level kind of fear of, hey, you might end up in that scenario. And we're trying to work towards not being that's in that scenario. But at the same time, it's 
growing up in Queensbridge that allows Nas to be Nas. Right. It's growing up in Marcy Projects that allows Jay to be Jay. And, it, and if either of those folk grew up in, you know, um, I don't know, the Hamptons, then it's a completely different experience. Same beats could be the same beats, the same words, but that experience that is like the ingredient that's necessary for hip hop to, to make sense, like it wouldn't be there. So it's like, like, it's like, like we needed him to struggle and to lose ill will to give us the highest level of art. And like you said, John, to hopefully allow people who can make a difference in circumstances to hear the message. That Jay-Z line about like, you know, I, I didn't tell you to sell crack. Like I did it. So you, I'm saying this so you wouldn't go through that. Like it's like that. That's mm-hmm. a hope at least. But like, I think um, like my thing with this album is like the production is like the thing about the fun thing about like the going back to these albums or from the nineties or whatever is the, the production is compared to now is a little more rudimentary, a little more, you know, the chorus is a little more rudimentary Mm -hmm. represent, represent, uh, you know, that, that whole thing, which is still awesome. Like some of these, now that you listen closer, some of these songs are like pretty musically advanced for what it is. Um, But like first listen, that was like my, the thing I was thinking about. Um, and I'm just kind of like nodding my head along, just like doing this, like pretty, like pretty just up yeah. and down, like and where like modern hip, modern hip hop, you're yeah. going like, like kind of like using your whole body and stuff and dance has gotten more advanced with like not enough drops for you. Yeah. Like your head is spinning. Like, yeah, my little, just like, oh my gosh, music. my little propeller hat's going too. But like, it's like, um, but for me, I think it's great that like i can like kind of nod along and go like yeah awesome and like listen and intake um this person's story intake this person's experience but um also like there's a positive and negative to that where it's like i am nodding along and just like hey i don't fully understand the situation but i'm like nodding along i'm trying to show you solidarity and like you know trying to immerse myself in this culture trying to uh understand a little bit just history, a little bit more just like um, uh, the racial disparities, blah, blah, blah. But it's also like I'm also doing nothing at the same time. I'm just like sitting in my room, just nodding, <laughs> like not donating, not doing anything like, you know, it's like it's kind of like it's like allyship, but not at the same time. It's like it's really interesting. Or even with you, if you like add the racial component on it, right? Like me, myself, my, my parents like specifically positioned us in like the suburbs. So like maybe I had like family members that live closer to like the city of Atlanta or like when I was in Chicago living like closer to the city of Chicago, but by all of my experience, I'm like distant from the city in general so i know that this is a black experience but it's not my black experience so it's like uh, okay this is a part of our culture but am i doing better is there like some survivors guilt here or it's like going back to the solidarity like do i need to be like putting these people who are so skilled at the craft on a pedestal because they're skilled at the craft and these are the types of raps that they're making and if i'm gonna try a rap do i rap about guns or like you know there's that it gets a little 
murky. Yeah, right. Like <laughs> just chilling with my Game Boy Mama's home. You know, like <laughs> um, that was actually kind of fire. Yeah. That, that's like, <laughs> the chorus. Chilling in my Game Boy Mama's home. <laughs> There's something there. Yeah. I'm gonna steal that. I'm, I'm gonna steal that. Yeah, we did work. Sure. No, take it, take it, take it. Um, yeah, it's like it's just it, just in general, like interacting with it and being distant is like tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think like I wonder about like again, I'm not part of this, but like it's like um, I want like someone like Nas would probably like be is doing all his work so that he could set up his kids or whoever or his family in a place like the suburbs, like where you're safe and you don't have to like worry about like the horrors in in Queensbridge and stuff like that. But then the next generation is distant from that. So it's like it's a it's a tr- again like being di- and then it's just like goes back to being displaced in America in the first place through mm-hmm. slavery, through chattel slavery, all this stuff. Like it's it's messed up. It's like really hard to do anything, you know. Right. Other than nod. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> a Nas did. Okay. <laughs> well, on that note, let's take a quick break. <laughs> Nas did. <laughs> and we're back here to talk about Nas's Illmatic. Nas did. Uh, <laughs> So that was that's made the best joke anyone's ever made <laughs> on the show. We just pack it up like <laughs> that, that was that was the illmatic of jokes. Yeah. <laughs> like it's gonna be in the library. Yeah. <laughs> Next yeah. to Illmatic is just gonna be like a piece of paper with like Nas. <laughs> 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 um, but yeah, welcome to the show. Uh let's talk about highlight songs. Um start with you, John. Like, what is a highlight song from this album? Ooh. Um, I mean, like, what angle do I take this from, from the lyrics or from the production? And I think for me, life's a bitch stands out mm. because, um, if you know me intimately, like, like on a person to person level, we interact a lot. You might know that I'm a little bit of pessimist. I have some pessimistic outlooks sometimes, and, uh, I try not to taper into nihilism at all, but, um, that just resonates just that statement alone is like it can it you it's very easily something to like materialize for yourself like life's a bitch and then you die um whether you're in corp like dealing with what they're dealing with or just like i think you can come to that conclusion off of the just being a salary person just like working the job day in day out and then it's like yeah. what's at the end of this and then you th- kind of so the production itself on that is just so smooth and like so rewarding. And um, I just feel like I'm in a spa almost, which is like the opposite, <laughs> right? The opposite of the subject matter. Like we're getting treated by the beat while Except there's no happy. Yeah, <laughs> good, right? Ethically good. See, that was a bar. Yeah, it was like two meanings, like double, double, double entendre. Yeah, yeah. Um. Yeah, so I I really fall back on that um, the the beat and uh, I don't know if that was a large professor one or I don't think that was premiere, but um, and then A Z being such a standout feature, obviously you know Nas carries all of this album, but be able to sprinkle in a little additional person in there and like open it so strongly, like I I would. I feel like if there's an album 
or a track that I have on repeat, it's very re-listenable. It yeah. might be that one. Like if I just had to curate, curate a playlist, you know what I mean? And I, and that's not to not nod at the other albums that are, or other tracks that are certainly stand out, but um, yeah, life's a bitch is my, I think my number one right now. That's my number one too. Um, it's, uh, I was like arguing against it. Like you could view it by very nihilistically and it kind of is, obviously it's a pretty, like they're in a bad environment. Um, but at the same time, it's true. It's true. It's like, you can't really deny it. You you can like, you can't really deny that a world with poverty and white supremacy, it like a life with that isn't a bitch, right. you know, like you can't really deny that. Like you have to be kind of like purposely ignorant mm-hmm. to like, uh, not think it's that and then uh then everyone dies like it's like doesn't even have to apply to this world and this like environment like it's just true so like what do you do with it's like um like another like like take on this album like like my other like first draft take of this like theme the themes was like this is like the rap bible this is like um the ecclesiastes like everything is meaningless and then the at the end of the ecclesiastes at the end of the record like at the end of ecclesiastes he's like you know but it's better to like be happy it's better to like find joy and all that stuff and but like it starts with everything is meaningless and then that in the translation is like everything is hevel which means everything is vapor and like az has that line about like (laughs) the world being like all this being vapor and all this being like uh it's gonna it's here and it disappears later and then nas's verse is like um first corinthians where he's like when i was a child i spoke like a child i understood as a child but when i became a man i put away childish things like that's like the to uh overcome just like this to have to overcome this this world with like gratitude of just like hey i'm 20 and then i lived this far i was like beating up foreigners and ripping up their green cards and stuff like that but somehow i'm alive and then the optimism of like, I'm going to live till I'm 80. This is only a quarter of my life. Um, you know, the dollar that could have bought a bottle, like yeah. um, could have struck the lotto. Definitely like, a stand first of all, line. and also that the way he rhymes bottle with lotto, like the the hip hop doesn't get enough credit for like, people think it's all like dumb because they're all like the, because the language is like H to the Izzo and stuff like that. Yeah. Like you're just putting Izzo at the end, but it's like, the way you bend language yeah. is actually really creative, like very rhymes. Shakespearean, you know, mm-hmm. all the stuff. Like how Shakespeare created so much of our language today. And like hip hop creates, I say, oh, it took an L. <laughs> you know, like I say these things just in my daily life, you know. Oh, yeah. Ling- linguistic appropriation happens like all, all the time. And I think that the the double entendre kind of thought process that you had in you on your bar can kind of apply to the chorus of this track where it's like, in the in the space of hip hop where there is a lot of toxic masculinity the idea of having a bitch is really awesome in fact the the more bitches the better and so and so in that space when you think about life being a bitch if if that is the visual of this beautiful bitch that you have and then before you get to your final resting space you're going to smoke a joint spend time with your bitch because you just never know when that last moment with her will be. And there could be, and I think the beat kind of fits that a bit better. Because it is like, almost like a summertime in New York, a party jam. And you're surrounded by all these awesome temptations that in that moment are very good for you. 
in the long run, probably not as much. It may let uh, end up being the reason why you die. But in that moment, having, you know, that that visual, that physical companion, and then having this um, product that you're able to consume in the most responsible way, that mixture can lead to some real enjoyment. So, so I think that could also be a way of like interpreting the chorus and and not being so down about everything, but maybe being like, you know, this is my last day to live. Let's let's make this a good one. Yeah. That definitely resonates when you going back to what you said about that beat being a summer jam. Mm-hmm. Like it's let's it's of the moment, going back to the vapors, like it's time is of the essence. Like let's just live it up. Yeah. Oh man. That acceptance is what allows them to move through time more um almost like superheroes like this idea like that Nas can transcend um the situation is he knows the situation you know it's like life's a bitch and then you die okay that's true let's now let me write these raps and Mm. stuff like that now let me do now let me because I think people when life is hard sometimes people have a hard time myself included like accepting it and it's like there's also a mixture of like needing to accept it but also not let it drag you down and go oh life's horrible i'm gonna like smoke weed all day and like die and like it's it's more about just like accepting like yes i live in queensbridge yes this is my situation um but i have this opportunity now to do do make an amazing piece of art i have this opportunity now to like help my friends and my family and stuff so i'm gonna take it yeah yeah because the present the present is always fleeting by the way, it's time to be real. Here we go. I'm ready. <laughs> it's like 30 minutes. <laughs> Speaking of being real, I my, my to be real, my my favorite track yeah. uh, on this album is The World Is Yours, uh, mm. which I think fits really well with the, that last description, Andrew, of like, you know, Nas being a superhero. And when you're a superhero, you experience superhero things. You then run back and tell your friends like, oh, my gosh, like I did this thing and maybe you can do it, too. Right. Like having an idea of like the world is our like we it is our oyster. And before before Yay, my favorite producer was Pete Rock. Like for me, mm-hmm. Pete Rock uh, is is soul music with um, the best layering of beats possible. It always knocks. It always sounds good. It always makes me feel something. Beats so good. And this Absolutely. this is like the perfect. If you don't know who Pete Rock is, you just listen to this and you're like, yes, okay, I get it. He's a goat. You know, so so for that, I'm always stopping whatever I'm doing. I'm listening to this album and I have to actually like consume this track. Um, and so it's like the highlight of all highlights for me on this album. I love how it lets the beat play out in the middle with all the scratches and stuff like that's like so because I was like, I think my initial like cr- if I had a critique, I was like, oh, like the beat is like isn't as advanced like and not it's not no one's fault or whatever. But like it, it felt not as advanced as like what hip hop becomes, but like this song is like, um, and, and also the world and also, um, the, the life's a bitch song with the trumpet at the end, like his dad playing the, the trumpet or the brass, um, just like there's real dynamism in the production. You just have to like, listen a little closer. Um, so it's great. Yeah. The world is yours is, I feel like I think about that song. Un- I don't know if this is unfortunately, it's just tethered to my, like, history of like listening and playing skateboard games you know what i mean like tony hawk and i feel 
if anywhere it was emphasized. I was on my game, game yeah, boy in my mom's basement. <laughs> Playing Tony Hawk, listening to the beat rock. <laughs> yeah, that's what I got. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean that, it, and, and the best memories are associated with it, right? Because you're playing a video game and you're just having a good time, and it kind of thematically fits. Like the world is yours. Like I get to spend this time just chilling and enjoying myself. Or you can seek out, you know, what can enhance your life or what could be a way out. Not that video games are a way out, but um, I don't know if it's my favorite. I don't know if it's top three, but it's it's, it's a really good one. Can I say one more thing about this? Like lyrically too, it has. The line that then births one of Jay's greatest raps and then also is referred to in Takeover. You know, I'm out for presidents to represent me. I'm out for dead presidents to represent me. And like, and just that idea of like, you know, at first it's like, I'm out for presidents to represent me. And Pete Rock could be like, wait, what? Wait, what? What? You want, <laughs> you want presidents to represent the same people who cause these situations? And it's like, no, 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 dead pres. I need that, that money. And so it's, it's, uh, it's a great line. It's a great it's a great line within this track. And then it becomes a great line as a structure for one of Jay's greatest hits. And then it becomes the reason why Takeover um is better than Ether is because he made it up. You made a hot line, he made it a hot song. So uh for that alone. even like even with that like narrative that you just built, the fundamentals of hip hop and interpolation and reusing things, yes. I love it. Yes. It's so so good. Like, oh man, uh, just in even just thinking back to when Nas said it the first time, I heard someone say like that. That was that's been co- become cliche now, like the idea of dead yeah. presidents, but that's like a philosophical statement at that time that yeah. never really had been said in that way before. So I like the, I like that view on it. Like he kind of pinpointed something a little new or said it in a new way. Mm-hmm. And he, like I had, like, we are talking about the chorus, like uh, I'm out for presidents to represent me. Say what? Like, it's like, he's almost like, he's like, Oh, I got something. I got something really yeah. good. Like, you're going to love this. And then he's like, he drops the actual punchline. I was like, oh, dollars. And like, like it's like changes hip hop. <laughs> like, yeah. And I also find with this song, more than most Nas raps, he's really just writing that beat. And I don't know if it's, I mean, it's Pete Rock. So it's, that's, you got to deal with Pete Rock beats. But like, it feels like he's almost like singing to the the keys on this track. The way his flow is. Whereas I find like for me, Nas, sometimes he's a bit too, because he's writing in his book of rhymes, you know, all the words past the margin, like because he's writing in his book of rhymes and he has that book. Whereas this feels like it's almost like him just vibing out and then just be like, oh, let me let this beat and this this um, melody help dictate my cadence. And so it feels a bit more like a dance than it is a a um, pounding of the pavement. Yeah, Definitely. this is like the closest to like a pop song yes. on the record. Yes. Like this is also like you know it has the chorus that's like I don't think like represent as like as poppy as the other ones and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So yeah, definitely. Uh, my highlight is New York, concrete <laughs> jungle where dreams are made. Yeah, Nas was singing song. real good. Yeah, on that. <laughs> he sounds like Alicia Keys. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. So New York State of Mind is my highlight. Like um, besides Life's a Bitch and uh, I think it starts, this album starts off really strong generally though. Um, I New York State of Mind is balancing the hero. Like it, it, 
again, like we're talking about intro tracks, Genesis technically intro track, but like this, the first song on the record, um, it just gives you a great idea of who he is, like balancing the harrowing narrative of, of the callous cold environment with like this Buddha like wisdom and insight while still delivering just bars, 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 bars. Um, like it's it's like there's like this this is like the storytelling Nas we kind of everyone talks about. Like I like I didn't quite get it as much with like the other songs. I th- I I felt more he was like a poet in the other songs, but this one he's like telling a story of like how is he he like you know use a machine gun and shot someone and he did a backflip and then uh the uh the 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 you know his gun getting jammed and stuff like that just like you're on the edge of your seat like oh shit what's gonna happen now and like just like the but there's also like this kind of cold like almost tossed off matter of fact quality to the delivery it's it's not like yeah and then i went to the he's kind of like but it's like that also makes it more disturbing too is this is just like this is just a day in the life time to make the donuts you know sort of situation that's like uh that you can overlook when you're listening to it but when you think about it, it's very sad it's very um horrible like yeah. i feel like i listened to that song and for me and it might be because of the lyricism but i really think it's just like the way the track is curated and um it's the most cinematic and visually stimulating in my mind. Like, I feel like I'm having not an out of body experience when I'm listening to New York state of mind. It just feels that much more kind of, I don't know, otherworldly to me or like transcendent. Um, And just kind of like the grittiness and the keys and it feels dark and you can almost see him like peeking around corners just to make sure he's safe it like really is evocative in like my mind and my own kind of like i guess um in like projecting onto it you know um i don't know if y'all feel that way but maybe it's not like uh, it might be top three on the album but just for that alone i think speaks volumes Mm -hmm. it's the vr glasses are on you know, like like you put you put the yeah. VR glasses in right away. You're just like, oh shit! And that's why Andrew, what you said about like the the way that he delivers it, uh, it has to be that way. Uh, otherwise, you would take the glasses off right away because the shit he's saying, you're yeah. like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to see this. But but he almost is like, no, 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 keep these on because because you're now in my mind, like John, what you're saying, like it's like we're no, you're no longer in your own mind. You're actually in Nas's mind, and you're seeing through Nas all this stuff but there's safety in being yeah through Nas's eyes because he's telling the story so he he survived this story too so yeah yeah you yeah. know like you're, you're gonna have to take the glasses off and you'll be okay so there's like that safety but it's still like mm-hmm. holy fuck like every corner like you said john like you peek around the corners and other shit and their guns here and these guys there and like like what the fuck is happening and this is new york this is new york and that beat that pre that primo beat like oh my god like like this is if if he had if he had died if Nas had died if it wasn't ill will Nas died and he had recorded this track he'd be a goat just for this alone he'd be a goat yeah wow definitely oh, oh man talk about that primo beat and like the like the way it kind of 
the those initial sounds i'm not sure i know what that did but it's like a breaking news extra extra like calling all people you know tune in and oh my it's like it's like he chopped up um police sirens to make that dear 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 like that's it almost sounds like a chopped and screwed police siren uh and then mm. and then and then just a, your state of mind, like constantly hearing that it fucks with you. You're like, holy, like you yeah. are paranoid listening to the song. Looking like uh, yeah. what's that movie of uh, Kubrick where the eyes Star are Wars. open? Like you just like created this paranoia. Of, uh, uh, like, Clockwork like, Orange. Like, yeah. Uh, Clockwork, Orange. Clockwork yes. Orange. Yeah, exactly. Just like you are now tuning in to the world yeah. of the dark streets of Queens. Yeah. yeah. And, and, and if you want to talk about the head nod, head nod meter this is at like a, a thousand like you're you are not my neck hurts even talking about this because you're just like you're just constantly nodding to this track right like you you had this when you hear the dern 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 and that's i mean that's primo right like that's that's a premier staple is is the neck brace being on after listening to this for 10 minutes you know uh let's go through the rest of the highlights a little quicker um uh, uh john what's another highlight that you like Oh, I think I'm kind of leaning on these spa type beats, but uh, <laughs> I really love uh, It Ain't Hard to Tell. Yes. Um, it's just a floater, man. And it's such a good way to close out in an optimistic way almost. It's like we just walked through hell and high water. So let's like kind of palate cleanse and have a you know soft landing. And I think that's a really skilled choice just from like a curating standpoint and like putting the album together. But also, who doesn't love human nature? Um, we can talk about the artist later, but I think that beat is just so freeing, so liberating, and I think liberation is very key to all of this. Yeah, yeah. I, I just we were talking about uh, interpolation and how in the art you copy and not you copy, you borrow and you you give credit to, and that yeah 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 yeah. I've always associated that sound to yay. Like a lot of the A's beats, especially the people by by common, that that yeah 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 that was always like oh that's a signature, but the but the hear it on ain't hard to tell in the early nineties that yeah like that's like oh shit yeah of course of course you know a great borrowed from the great you know uh, and so that's kind of cool just to hear it. It's like a hand me down sweater kind of it's yes, but like... like a really nice like a like a giant tiger or byway or Zellers you know, some of those awesome places. It becomes more valuable the more generations it goes down, stuff mm-hmm. like that too. Like, that's awesome. Um, yeah, I also like this, the samples used in Lana Del Rey's music too. Like the, like that bit, like is in Lana Del Rey's like Born mm-hmm. to Die album. It's like really great. Um, yeah, there's like, this song is just like him. This one in like uh, uh, halftime are just like, let me just show off. Let me just like, you know, rap, do some rapidy raps. And stuff like that. That's pretty cool. Um, I uh, like, um, oh, it's between Memory Lane, One Love. Like, those are two great songs. Um, Ooh. I think I could probably talk about Memory Lane a little more uh, cogently, though. Like, it's just like um, the fact that he's nostalgic at this young age is very, like, <laughs> it's like, uh, like when you're like 20 years old and you're nostalgic for being 10, it's like, as like a privileged person, it's kind of like frivolous, but like, I think in this situation, it's like really, um, point poignant and sad and beautiful. Like, um, this idea of, uh, 
hey remember when the police wouldn't show up (laughs) like remember that that was that was the one moment of peace that we had (laughs) outside like just like also just like having like a cognac and like just like walking around the neighborhood with like nothing happening to you that was the those were the only moments of reprieve that he had um and then just um and then also just like a lot of affirmate, like I think this album is full of affirmations, like just positive affirmations of the self. Like my intellect prevails from a hanging cross of nails. I reinforce the fray with the lyrics that real that are, that's real. Like that's like a um, in the midst of all this neg- like negativity that could possess you. Like there's a lot of like combating positivity in this whole, whole thing. So yeah, mm-hmm. therapy. It's therapy. It's Hip hop, hip hop therapy. Before it was, I guess, acceptable to say out loud, "I'm getting help." You know, these these were the therapists, and for Nas at at twenty, like that, I I can't keep forgetting how young he, he sounds. Kind of old, like this. he sounds like like a like old man. Like yes, yeah. Biggie sounds like an old man too. Like you know, he's just like he's like younger than me. And yeah. if this was when he died. released when he was twenty, he was writing this in his teen years, mm-hmm. which is like. Man, I was like on MySpace, like Game worried Boy, about you know? my top five <laughs> playing game. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Mama's home. You know. I, yeah. So just to have been able it's like the filtering of this and being able to make it art alone is like such a feat. Mm-hmm. Like you don't you don't even have to like get past it you could you just need to survive but to be able to transfer it into something else is like impeccable well well since since you gave it to me i'll take it uh one love yeah one, one love is, oh, is so just good. a beautiful i mean you talk about like lo- love letters to the to the people and to the art and he he's just literally writing letters but also letting us know like despite all that's happening that the love is still there and the love is always present and love, love wins, you know, love, love wins in every space possible. Um, And then, and then again, I think for me, like, because Nas, it's hard to really fully grasp all the lyrics because he's so good. Oh, it's so hard. That yeah. I, I graduate, gravitated a lot towards the production on this listening yeah. um, journey that was on these last two weeks. And Q-Tip, like Q-Tip is another, and I I love the tribe called Quest, a tribe called Quest. That's right. And so Q-Tip, you know, being you know on this and producing this track, it's it sounds like Q-Tip. I think what what happens when you listen to these '90s albums is a lot of times the music is just kind of on a loop, right? So so this is on a loop, but it's a good loop because then it gives space for Nas to write his letters and to share his thoughts. Uh, but I think that's the one kind of uh, critique that I think people have when they've they've listened to the evolution of hip hop is that now it's like things are so complex. It's yeah, Dynamic, it's like watching yeah. an IMAX movie for uh, every day. Uh, can we get much higher? Like the, all that stuff. Like yeah, yeah right. Like the the text it's so textured. But every so often it's cool to watch a movie that was you know in black and white and be like, oh fuck! Like despite the lack of you know color, it's still very vivid. Yeah, you know, yeah. and so so this this for me is still a very vivid track. And yeah, just to have like Q-Tips, I think that's his singular like contribution to the album, but kind of to get that to what it must feel like from Nas's point of view to get that like stamp of approval, like 
Yeah, yeah. I, I can only imagine. And that's where like the listener wants more to know more is like, what were these sessions? Like, what was it like recording one love and Q-tips basement or in his apartment? Or I think it was Fife's mm. actually, but um, I love one love. And I think once I knew I was going to be on that song did not resonate in like the first listen. But by the time I was on like, listen, number five, I was like, one, yeah, love, yeah. one, love, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Doom, doom, doom. There's yeah. everything about that track. Just like, it's such a vibe, certainly a highlight. And yeah. Oh man. Yeah. Like the, a uh, few things about that. Um, it's, I think the negative part of doing a weekly podcast where we analyze an album a week is the lack of time of, uh, the chance the rapper episode, I, I felt like I, I did a, gave a great analysis up because I've been listening to that for 10 years. Mm. Um, this I listened to for like two weeks and stuff like two weeks. I listened to this album and, uh, the first listen, I was like, I like, uh, I like, uh, life's a bitch. I like New York state of mine. I like the last song. And then the rest is like kind of blended together. Like, Oh, this one, he said the Buddha, <laughs> you know, like this, <laughs> this song, he mentions the Buddha, but like, it's like, um, but then the time you get to like live with these songs, the time you get to live with these loops, um are like make uh one love so wonderful to me like the the uh it feels like this is what i was talking about like with burning takes so like this is the kendrick uh precursor like this is the the three perspectives uh three letters he's writing um in this song and again keeping morale up like i know like in prison they try to like attack you or rape you or anything like something like that and then but keep your morale up because when we get out, we'll run around and like rule these streets and stuff like that. Exactly. Like it'll be, it'll be better. But know? it's also like highlighting that person who, you know, is, although they're missing out on a lot of like some of the darker stuff of what it means to be on the outside, they're missing out on that good stuff and connecting the person who, is most likely unjustifiably behind bars. It's or like uh, staunchly behind bars, maybe like too long or whatever. It's um that's a perspective that is a lot of times swept under the rug. Like we're not listening to the person who's been behind bars very much. And like, if they've been behind bars for, you know, five, 10, 20 years, then the way that that shaped them I, I I can only imagine the experiences they've had in, inside that haven't been newsworthy. You know what I mean? Because sometimes you'll hear about conditions, but you're not hearing the every single thing. And I think that's an an important component to take away from this album is like the, I guess the not the have nots, but by proxy to the criminal justice system, they are have nots because they're not out here kind of in the streets and freewheeling and living their life. So certainly not something to forget, or I feel like is important to underscore when you are listening to this is like, pay attention to that perspective too. Mm, Bingo. That's, that is Matt. It's massive. The, the just position of, you know, you know, in both scenarios, whether you're on the streets or in jail, like there's a there's a system that's intentionally putting there putting you there, and yet there is something liberating about being on the streets, 
when you're in jail, like on the streets, people could still see you. Uh, in jail, you're you're hidden. Your 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 whole experience is tucked away, and and so it's like, yeah, you're right. Like like to have the ability to then write a letter and say, hey, I'm still seeing you, you know, and I know that you still want to be here, even though here isn't necessarily the greatest scenario anyway. But you you rather be here than there. So let me still connect you to what's happening here and let you know that we're thinking about you, you know? Yeah. You're not, you're not forgotten. And as soon as you out here, I'm gonna pop this Henny bottle. Yeah. Yeah. Twist this L up. Yeah. yeah. The little things. Uh, let's go through low lights now. Um, I, I only have one real one. Like uh, ha- halftime is like, first of all, like the um, I'll say two, I'll say some positive things about that song. Um, first of all, like the, Someone wrote like a little piece about it, just like about how he references Malcolm X, Martin Luther King, Marcus Garvey. Um, when uh, hip hop was transitioning to like the gangster rap sound of NWA Snoop Dogg, where he's like keeping it to the original one of the original intents of hip hop is political socialist kind of movements. Um, and then like um, second thing I like about the song is it's very funny funny jokes in it like this is the song that has jokes quote unquote like um the more kicks than a baby in a mother's stomach is very funny the uh malcolm x jungle fever like it is something a comedian would say it's something like uh do i smoke weed um did malcolm x have jungle fever it's it's very funny it's very funny joke um and then the uh, tribute to Ill Will, like throughout this album, especially on this song, this is like his first breakout hit. Um, the idea that like Ill Will, if he was alive, he would have wanted him to do greats. He would have wanted him to kill these verses and stuff. Uh, so I think that's like really uh, wonderful. Like another theme of this album is just like kind of honoring the the those who passed. Um, yeah, the the I, um. The negative is the Epsler. <laughs> like that's like just it, I'm waiting for it to happen, and then when it ha- once it happens, I don't really kind of like it takes me like when you're nodding your head, and then like it makes you nod your head this way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, you, you shrivel like, up real quick. <laughs> like, uh. It's so it's and you could like make it. You could like talk about like oh, it's like you know the switch as in you know. Uh, the bundle of sticks, the other meaning of that word. And then he's a child. He's like, uh, it's like hip hop 50, but Google 25. Right. <laughs> like, the like, toxic you know, masculinity of it all. Like yeah, that yeah, all that stuff. Bravado. It's like, but at the same time, like, yeah, it's just an L for hip hop. It's just like a very negative part of hip hop that uh, hopefully we're evolving past, like with the Kendrick song that he exactly. put out. Like, hopefully that's the that's the stamp of like, okay, enough. Like, that's that's it for like. I'll use it for I'll use it for the rest of hip hop, and then we'll never <laughs> use it again. Like, or or like, yeah, like it's kind of like, um, yeah, it's just it, it's it's just like, yeah, I totally get if anyone like listens to that and just like is like, oh, that's deal breaker. That's like, I don't really like that. So yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, I can't, I can't like balk at any of what you just said and halftime i i feel like i like no it's good <laughs> just, like... <laughs> no, just in the term like as being like like not necessarily it's a lower light it's not the worst but it's just like not the world is yours it's not the, these other tracks that we've mentioned um i didn't want to step on you stanley but uh 
<laughs> no, you, you do it, do it. It's all good. It's all good. Yeah, I, I just want to mention yeah, what, what Andrew said though. Like, it is something that as you've done more and more hip hop albums um, uh, over these last few weeks, um, three out of the four have yeah. the word in it. It's such a bummer. You have to talk with the talk about it. Like the open this up. Yeah, again. and it's like, and it's like, and it's three out of four, and they're three from three different decades, right? That's like we hit the nineties, the two thousand, two thousand tens. And it was it was still present and 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 it's like yeah like context is something that sometimes is awkward to express because when you try to contextualize things it's almost like you're trying to pardon the thing too and say no it's okay yeah. and I think that the context isn't to say that these words the usage of the word was okay is to say to frame how the usage of word of the word became so prevalent in a genre that has such an amazing purpose. And I think that that context is the toxicity that is so present in these, these artists that in many ways had no way of confronting the things that were happening in their neighborhoods. And so they then were like, okay, well, I got to put up this front. Like a lot of it is bravado front. And the most idiotic front was this idea of you you know if you don't get girls or like girls or project any type of way that doesn't allow you to say to everyone oh i am the most attractive in the most like non um uh in the most uh, uh masculine perspective then you're less than and they hooked that word to say like, oh, I'm not that or you are that because you're less than me. And it's like that that competitiveness then almost gave them this like and I am i don't know, like I'm not in Nas's head when he's rapping this, but I'm assuming that it's almost kind of like a placing himself as like, hey, like, you know, I'm not this. As a matter of fact, I might have been like half of this. And and it's and it's sad to re-listen to it now that we have. And it's great, too, that we now have that that understanding because we, we didn't, you know, if anyone listening in the nineties was either afraid to express and say, wow, this is wrong or just didn't know that it was wrong. And if they were afraid, they had every reason to be afraid because there were real life consequences of standing up and saying, this is wrong, you know, particularly in this particular art form. And so now we can stand up and say, or not that we can. Now we are choosing to be brave enough. Yeah. <laughs> <Just> like, yeah. <laughs> to, to set up, but his, also, you know, and say that this is wrong. Yeah. Adding to, not taking away from the sort of intersectional learning that have kind of been almost mainstream within like the past um, two to five years is still a landscape that we're like navigating now, even to Andrew's point about auntie diaries, like, that had to be put out there. So there's like a, like Andrew said, a marker and, but also to acknowledge that this is still a work in progress because we're all still learning about each other in this American experience, experiment, et cetera, et cetera. So I think, yeah, I don't, I, it's hard to, I don't, you don't want to appease it. You don't want to, you know, say it was okay. But I think we need to understand that the understanding then around intersectional issues as it relates to also having your false bravado word is not what it was 
or what it is today as it was in the night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it, and it bleed into other forms of 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 that toxicity. You know, like there was this idea back then where it's like, you know, if someone you know likes a bitch and then you die, it's like if someone challenges your existence, you've had to end that person's existence. Full stop. Right. Whereas now it's like if someone challenges your existence, you can actually have a conversation about, hey man, like do we really want to go through this route, and how can we find a better way of you know uh, coexisting. You know, so there is also a maturity that's 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 present in today's landscape that wasn't there because it wasn't there, you know, and because there was a fear of like, if if I don't blast first, then they're going to blast first. So I got to blast first, you know, and so it was very kind of almost black and white, almost man and woman, you know, very like two dimensional. And and now we, when we have the VR glasses and we see this word come up, this F word come up right away your 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 um reaction is take the glasses off because it's like no like why would i want to see this experience why would i want even if you're not um directly affected by the use of the word because you're not necessarily part of that community but you but and it, but especially if you are and if you are a part of that community then it's even more enhanced where you're like i'm taking the vr glasses i'm returning the vr glasses back because there's nothing about this virtual experience that's virtual it's very real to me, you know? And so I think that's where we've grown as, as listeners and as uh, experiential listeners too. Uh, last thing I'll say about that is just like, we hope that at the same time, we hope 10 years later, 20 years later, 25 years later, we hope people look at us um, putting out episodes every single week and may oh, actually, hopefully the things we're saying are wrong. Like the things we're saying are like, and then we're evolved. Mm. We're, we've evolved beyond it. And then we hope people look back at us and go like w- the word, like he uses the R word in the, uh, in this, uh, in one of these songs too. And then we all, we, as you know, people in every podcast I listen to, they all use the word crazy. They all use the word insane. And it's like, we all know we should, we should probably stop. We all know we should probably like, but like, but wild doesn't hit as hard. So we mm-hmm. like, we just still use it anyways. And then we, in 20, 10 years, we, will it be, we have to wonder, like, will it just be something that we're lenient on? Like, okay, we know you don't mean like mentally uh, unwell people. We know you don't mean that when you say um, that beat was crazy, you know, like we know, we know you don't mm-hmm. mean that. Or will it like become metastasized into the R word where we're like, Oh, I can't, I can't believe we all used to say it all the time. That was like really messed up, you know, like, it's like mm-hmm. that, like, we don't know, we don't mm-hmm. know what will happen. Mm-hmm. You know, right. you only hope that that gets pushed forward. You know, it's mm-hmm. a little out of our hands once we, that time you know, <laughs> yeah. gets yeah. to us. Yeah. Any other lowlights? Like we should, we should like wrap up any other lowlights or straight reservations or just things we, things we haven't said. I, I gotta get love to represent, represent. Uh, I know, yeah. I know it's not like the best yeah. track. But it's just it's hype, man. Like if I can imagine hearing this at a concert and be like, like twenty thousand people yelling out "represent," it'd be sick. So just that that little shout out. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of Onyx a little yes. bit too. Yeah, so I can kind of like bridge that gap. But I don't feel one way or another about "represent." Like it's not the strongest one, but it's also like I'll listen to it. Turn it up. Yeah, um, one time for your mind. Represent. I feel the same way. Like I do love. I hold a Mac 11 and I'll take a reverend. I contact 11 L's and Max and like that whole, like that is so, that's such a great ending (laughs) line. It's so good. So good. 
Uh, uh, all right, let's go through final thoughts and ratings. The way this works works is we'll rate this out of ten with a fun metric at the end. What a great discussion! Thank you, John, for being so generous and fun well, um, and thoughtful, also. So, uh, John, what's your rating of this album? Oh man, I'm gonna give Illmatic nine point nine L's and half a Hennessy bottle. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, this is enshrined for me. I think. It, the time period it was released in and what setting the tone for the future and uh sonically maybe like the mpc doesn't like transfer as much as like a uh, ableton does t- today but um i i love this album even though we're ending the recording i'm gonna go put it on after this because i'm loving it and loving uh, yeah, the reintroduction yeah. to it and uh if you haven't listened to illmatic i hope our discussion has inspired you to do so uh, also, I want to shout out the person who I took that like um, thing, the the quote about the Marcus Garvey MLK thing is like uh, an essay written by Mark Lamont Hill. I just want to like credit that guy. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think this is great. Um, it's hard. Like when you now that I know a little like now I know a Nas album, now I know a Jay-Z album. It's really hard to compare them. It's like they're great in their own ways. Like that's like it's so like um the blueprints one of the great rap albums and this is like just like this great like debut album great poetry album great like um you know boom bap uh uh just blueprint for like hip-hop uh album uh and also like this is his first and blueprints is fifth or whatever so it's like that's really hard to compare um so I love, but, but I love that we could have both I love that we could have like both these artists like doing their thing um, and maybe they'll clash once, but like they'll be fine, you know. Um, so yeah, but this is like all oh, the poetry's great. Like there are songs that like um I think I just like might need a little more time with it to like really appreciate. Like I have nowhere near the um full understanding of the historical context, the lyrical dexterity, um, and uh just the hist the the rich tapestry of history here. But I really enjoyed it. It was a very enjoyable listen. I certain songs I'll just like keep playing all over, all over the and over again. So uh, I'm gonna give this uh, eight kicks uh, in a mother's stomach out of ten. Yeah, it's a great, it's a great album. It's definitely uh, objectively, yeah, one of the top fifty hip hop albums of all time. It's it, it it deserves all the attention that it it's gotten. And for Nas to write this first. You know, a lot of times people say like your first album is usually your best album because it's you've spent your whole life writing it. But he hadn't lived a lot of, I guess, life from a time perspective, like only 18 to 20 years. But he certainly lived from an experiential perspective, probably 50 years plus, And you could feel it on this album. So for those reasons, I'm going to give this nine. You did take over. Do you got beef with Nas out of 10? Dude, take over, Jay. <laughs> go. <laughs> but from Chicago. <laughs> so you had to do this, son. Oh, man. We can go. <laughs> All right. Anyways. <laughs> Wait, is that what, nope, uh, what you're doing? Nope, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, that was our episode on Illmatic. Uh, uh, let us know what you think. Uh, send us a message. Uh, send us an email at I've been mean to listen to that at gmail.com. Uh, uh, John, thank you so much. What would you like to plug? What would you like to for people to see? 
Hey, um, I've got an EP on Spotify under RVRLND, pronounced Reverie Land. Um, if y'all know any grant makers, I'm trying to get some funding for um uh, a short film that I just wrote. So that's like in real time. Um, yeah, otherwise just holler. I love chatting music, I love being in the know about your goings ons and all that. So just reach out. Uh John Butts is here on everything. Mm. You know uh who's a actually actually know of a grant maker, uh Robert Grant, uh Lana Del Rey's dad. Oh, <laughs> get him in touch. Nailed it. No, first of all, Robert, <laughs> why is your why is your daughter at Waffle House? <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he did a good job raising or that a child. great job, depending <laughs> on your perspective. Oh, yeah, 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 right, right, right. Waffle House is great. Yeah, it's great. There's, I, I think they're striking House. right now, so don't cross the picket line. Don't, don't get them hash browns. <laughs> don't, cross, don't cross the picket line, Lana, for your bit. Anyway, so. Uh, yeah, you also have a bunch of, like, um short films out, like uh, The White Room yeah. and uh, I Am Joining Today. It's on your website, uh, johnbuttsishere.com. So check, check that out. out if you want some like lo-fi comedy or like a weird experimental workplace kind of psychological trip. Oh, yeah. Uh, so uh, thank you so much, John. You can follow me at Andrew Ambrose Lee on Instagram and um, yeah, Instagram. You can follow Stanley at Snap a Sten on Instagram. Uh, you could follow the show at IBMTLTT on Instagram and TikTok. And send us an email, email at Ivan to listen to that gmail.com. Uh, give us a uh, leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, um, or subscribe to it. Like, subscribe to the Spotify. Like, that'll, that'll help. We're close to 300, oh, so that's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. yeah, this is Sparta. So, uh, <laughs> like, uh, uh, John, what would you like to play us out with? What song would you like to play us out with? Thank you so oh, much. Oh, man. What would I like to um, keep it in Nas, but um, flashing forward in his discography to Hip Hop is Dead? Let's listen to Still Dream. Oh, oh my God. All right. Yes. Uh, all right. Thank you so much. Have a good day. Click. How you a man waiting for the next man to get rich? Your plan is to stick out your hand real quick. So if you feed your family and he serve you shit, then he need that head you get and he deserve your bitch. Since you wishing cash for...